set a date after that. Okay. Wow. Okay. So we'll be in prayer for y'all. Who else? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, pray for him. Anybody else? <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That, yeah. It's getting gooder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, well, we will be praying. Right. That's what we're going to pray. Good is, good is new. Anybody else? Anywhere? Nope. And you said a praise report? It's Keith and Cindy Cooper. Keith is back home. Gaining strength. Yes. Yep. Good deal. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you that you hear and answer prayer. Lord, I lift up Doug right now in his heart. I pray, Father, that you would cause the circulation and the function of the heart, Lord God, to be what you have designed it to be. I pray for Deborah, Lord. I pray, Father, that this, that this growth or whatever, Lord God, that it would be completely benign and removable, Lord God, that it will be completely dissolved in the name of Jesus and be nothing, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for every person, Lord, that has a need in their body, in their finances, in their, in their home, Lord God. I pray for this co-worker, Lord God, that you would touch his heart even now, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you hear and answer prayer. We ask you to open up our heart to receive your word, Lord God. Give us, give us vision, I pray, Lord God. Give us, give us a, an, a hope and an expectation of a future, Lord God, that you have desired and designed for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, we're still going to be talking about <clears throat> the authority of the believer and, and there's a lot, of, you can't just, you can just talk about the authority of the believer. You can say, believers have authority. Done. We all know that, right? But there's a whole lot of problems with that is how do we walk in that authority? How do we operate in that authority? Are we operating in that authority? How many of you have ever, and I was trying to think of an example this morning, and I was just drawing a blank, but how many of you have ever done something the hard way because you didn't know there was an easy way? I mean, <laughs> See, I mean, we have these, you know what I mean? She's putting closet shelves. I'm telling you, along those lines that before Mike and I discovered that before, and this is what Hannah and Josh told me, before young couples get married, they should have to hang curtains together. She said if they can hang curtains together and they still want to get married afterwards, then they, they're, it's good. They'll be able to make it. Apparently, hanging curtains together is just a, is a real problem. And I, I assume that putting up shelving in a closet would be kind of along the same lines as that. But, so, so how many of you have ever done, I mean, you've done something, or maybe you didn't do something and you, you lost out on potentially all the resources of it because you didn't know you had it. Like, how many of you have ever had a gift certificate somewhere and you've been to a, a restaurant or somewhere and you've been eating there a hundred times and then you look through all your stuff and you like find a gift certificate and you're like, well, I've been paying for this. I had a gift certificate. Yeah. I mean, how many of you have had those experiences? 
And see, I think so many times in the, in the same realm of spiritual authority, Christ said, my authority, I have all authority in heaven, which was never in question, was it? His authority in heaven was never in question. All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. See, he came to earth to conquer sin, to pay the penalty, to bring us back into right relationship with the Father, and to also restore authority to mankind, i.e. his church. Not just all mankind. It's not like, oh, there you go. But it's an authority that has, that's, been, that's been invested in him. Who did he say? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So we have the therefore, is, the go, therefore, is attached to what? His authority. So even though it does, he doesn't say, I give you all of that authority, that's not in there, would you say that it is implied with that? Maybe not give it, maybe that's a wrong way to say it, like he doesn't, to give it to you, see, because if I give you my phone, I have lost my phone, right? But see, he can give authority and never be removed of his authority. So see, there's a it belongs to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So it's more in the context of not receiving, oh, cool, I got authority. And now Jesus doesn't have it. Or, or he does, or some portion. I don't really get it. But what it's more like is he has made us ambassadors. That's what ambassadors, emissaries, I think is another word for it. So as an ambassador, you live under the governmental authority of the nation or the kingdom that you are coming from, and you are operating in that authority on behalf of, of the government that you represent, right? Is that not true? Y'all all understand that? So that's what we are doing when we are operating in kingdom authority. And I think so many times we get so confused about how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I, how do I, off, how do I operate in authority? I think it's as easy as Luke 11, I believe, that says, if you how many of you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children? I think that's Luke 11. And he says, if you ask for a bread, he won't give you a, a stone or a fish. It's a scorpion. Is that what it is? How does that go? Is that right? Scorpion and serpents. There's two different references, and I think it says it differently in both places, doesn't it? Y'all know what I'm talking about? What is it? Do you have it, Melissa? Melissa's got it. Look at her. <laughs> just, keep, just keep talking for a moment. <laughs> yeah, don't look at me yet. So, you have it? Come on, Melissa. I know. Look at her. She's like, okay, whatever. I thought Melissa. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. I probably gave you the wrong in, in information entirely. So, we Luke 11, isn't Luke? Did you find it? Oh. What? Okay, go. Luke eleven eleven. Snake. Okay. 
Now, I like that reference because uh, it's a snake and a scorpion, right? Now, a snake and a scorpion, what are those references to? You shall tread upon scorpions. You shall so we know that a snake and a scorpion is a reference to what? Demonic powers. Now, how many times have people believed that their father, their heavenly father, has given them the snake or the scorpion? Well, the Lord's just teaching me something with this cancer. You see what I'm saying? Well, if it's the Lord's will. See, these are things that we espouse. See, but he's saying earthly fathers know how to give good gifts. And you think that your heavenly father is giving you demonic things? But he said, I give you authority to tread upon scorpions and serpents. And so when he says, if you ask, and then it goes on in that reference to say, if you ask for the what? Holy Spirit. Won't he be given to you? Now, interesting in this passage of scripture, who are we talking about? Children, right? The reference is Jesus is talking about the heavenly father and children. The people in this scriptural reference, are they unbelievers or believers? Our target audience, are they believers or unbelievers? They're believers, right? Because they're children. They're referred to as children. Now, we oftentimes believe that the Holy Spirit is that scripture there has to do with being given <clears throat> when you get saved, right? How many believe you got the Holy Spirit when you got saved? You sh right, you, sh we should. you should. You receive the Holy Spirit when you got saved. To a degree, that's right. But then he says, <clears throat> how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So is this, is there, is there a Holy Spirit empowering that you can ask for in a moment of need and the Father will give you the Holy Spirit? I mean, how many times have you been in a situation and said, Holy Spirit, I need you right now to fill my mouth. I need you right now to give me insight. I need you, Lord, right now to to." impart to me wisdom, impart to me power, impart to me whatever I need in the moment. And how many of you have experienced that? That in the moment, you have, you have either knowledge you didn't have, you have wisdom that you didn't have, you have some sort of insight or power that you previously did not have. I mean, the Holy Spirit is available to you in the moment of need. But you have to ask. Ask. Now, I have seen this happen so many times in my life. I have called upon the Holy Spirit in my life in, in jobs to give wisdom that I need in order to solve problems. I have called on the Holy Spirit before in situations where there was a person in my office, an owner of the company who was cussing like a sailor. And I don't like that. But how many of you know in the oil field when you tell a guy to watch his mouth, it really doesn't work? And they just get more vile. And then you got to constantly, you know, be like, oh, no, don't, don't cuss around her. Then there's the whole aftermath of that. So you, but what I did in my office is I said, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just bind his mouth. Under my breath. 
I called on the Holy Spirit instantly, and he was sitting across from my desk. He started squirming. He's in this little chair. I had this little pew, which is funny. I had a pew, and I had a cross behind my desk, and I told him it was as close as someone would ever get to church. And he, would, he, would, he started squirming, and I just watched it. It was so funny. He started, he started kind of tripping over his words. He couldn't talk, and he got real nervous and anxious. He said, i got to go. And he would normally just sit there forever, and I wouldn't be able to get rid of him. See, so in the moment, the Holy Spirit can be given to you. In a moment. I wonder how many of us access the Holy Spirit in a moment. I was sitting at a table one time over Christmas with my family, and my brother was in one of his funks and was like, you know, cold shouldering. And we had driven, you know, two hours, and we were sitting at the end of a table, and they weren't even speaking to us. I mean, how many of you have any families like that sometimes? I mean, it's like, Lord. You know, and Mike was, uh, my son-in-law was there beside me. And all of our family, and then they're down there, and so there's no conversation. You know what I mean? Like our kids are all between us, and, you know, it's just awkward. It's like, why did I drive two hours for this? You know what I mean? Just to, like, bathe in awkward soup. You know what I've talking about? I mean, you all have all been there. And so what I did is Mike said, this is awful. What are we going to, he said, it's what he turned to me. He said, what are, you, what are we going to do? I just looked at Mike, and I said, watch this. And I bowed my head, and to myself I prayed, I bind every confusing spirit in the name of Jesus. It looked like I was just looking at my menu, and I take authority right now in the name of Jesus, and I lose peace, and I lose reconciliation in this place. And I looked up, and my brother said, Hey, Andrew, you need to move up here closer. My gosh, y'all drove all this way. Kids, move down here. He rearranged the whole table instantly. And I give you authority. I wonder. Now, you may say that's coincidence, but you know better, right? There's just so many coincidences in your life. So, I mean, in that situation, see, I didn't address and go, how dare you, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? I addressed where my warfare was at. Wasn't with flesh and blood. It was in the heavenlies. And I, they didn't know it. I didn't get up and go, look how wonderful I am and how spiritual I am. I just bound all the spirits that are controlling y'all. I could have. I should have. No, I shouldn't have. You know what I'm talking about? It would have had a whole nother outcome. Exactly. So see... That is how we just walk in the spirit. We become naturally supernatural. I, that's what I want for all of y'all, to be naturally supernatural. And quit trying to <clears throat> twist out of the hand of a reluctant God the gifts that he has freely given to his children and just start walking in a level of spiritual authority that you don't have to work for because it's already been worked for. You don't have to strive for because it's already been strived for. You don't have to do anything. You just have to walk in the completed work of Christ and therefore begin to move out in faith 
that what he said has happened has happened and now you have what he said he gave you it's just that natural i want you to be naturally supernatural I want supernatural just to come from you. I want you to be opening up parking spots and no one even knowing it. You know what I'm talking about? That's what we do all the time. Lord, we need a parking spot. In Jesus' name. Yes. And sometimes the Lord says, you need more exercise. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, how many of you believe we can live that way? I do. I'm just silly enough to believe it. I believe God wants that. And so that's not even my message, y'all, but that just brings me in because, see, that's working from rest. Yes. That's what I mean by I didn't go. Yes. Look how spiritual I am. Look how spiritual I am. See, what you do when you do that is you negate every bit of spirituality you thought you even had. The Holy Spirit goes, yeah, not messing with that. But here's the danger of this. That person who craves spirituality but wants to take glory for themselves, you know who will show up and give them spirituality? <clears throat> That's why the Bible <clears throat> excuse me. That's why the Bible says test the spirits. Because there is a possibility for people who crave supernatural things so much for their own glory that they can entertain familiar spirits. And they can get a little bit of spiritual insight, but it's for their own glory. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. That's it. Because we have nothing. Yes. Absolutely. In the moment. And he uses all of your faculties. It's his spirit communicating to your spirit, your spirit communicating to your solical region, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that's how the information is conveyed is in that manner. It's not something that's going to, I'm just possessed of the Lord. Do you see that, how I just got possessed all of a sudden? I'm just walking along and all of a sudden, you know, that's not how, the Lord's using, he's using your brain. No. No. Right. And that's why it says he won't share his glory with another, but then it says in, in John 17, 17 that, the, that Christ has brought us in to share in his glory. It's because of what Christ has done, not who you are or who you will ever be because your flesh will never, ever, ever, one more ever, find acceptance with God. That's Romans 8. The flesh is, sub, is, is in hatred, variance, enmity against the spirit. It cannot receive the things of God. Neither indeed can be. They can't be reconciled together. But see, our craving so often is for our old nature, our carnal man to receive glory. That's what I was talking about with the two areas of your flesh. 
that you have to fight against. Unrighteousness, those are easy, right? We all know what unrighteousness is. And self-righteousness. That's where most of us don't even know we struggle because we call it holiness. It's still flesh. See, so Paul told the Galatians, he said, how is it you're going to finish in the flesh what you've begun in the spirit? He's not talking about them living in sin. He's talking about them trusting in self-righteous acts to fulfill the holiness of God. He's not saying... You guys, that's the Corinthian church. You guys, y'all are practicing unrighteousness. He told the Galatian church, you're practicing self-righteousness. What would you rather be, unrighteous or self-righteous? Good answer. That was a big trail. That was a big, that was, see, that was just a, that was, she's quick. That's it. That's it. But I'm so glad Tawana said that because religion has taught us to say what? Well, we say, well, you know, it's doing good. See, I'm telling you, the only thing that prevents you from having all that the Holy Spirit wants to impart to you is either the unrighteousness of your flesh or the self-righteousness of your flesh. That's why it says that, the, that through the gospel, Paul said there's a circumcision not done with hands. And what kind of, it's a removing of what, Belinda? The flesh. Now, I don't know that much about circumcision, but I know enough. I have a son. And once they remove the flesh, it's gone. Now, I know that may be a little graphic, but circumcision is a big deal in the Bible, right? And it's, it would do us good to learn the lesson of circumcision. It's the removing of the, oh, that our churches would remove the flesh and unrighteousness. We got to quit calling sin holy and saying it doesn't matter anymore under grace. And I wish that we would remove the religious order of self-righteousness. Because we can't call holy man's ability to do good. good. And he didn't receive the supernatural promise of a child until Sarah was not only old, but had gone through menopause. And he didn't receive the supernatural act of a child until the Bible says that he was so old, he could not produce children anymore either. It was a full-on God-performed and that is what the Lord is looking of his church in these last days. is not unrighteous flesh nor self-righteous flesh. He is looking for a people who will allow the Holy Spirit to give them their next step and take it in faith in the completed work of Christ. And I will promise you, the Holy Spirit will jump on the glory of Christ every single time. The Holy Spirit has nothing to do with our acts of self-righteousness nor our sins of unrighteousness. So much in that we call 
spiritual is nothing more than self-glorying, flesh-promoting performance. Now, we say, where are the miracles gone? Wherever there's flesh is at, there's no miracles. Yep. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't hurt them at this age. So yeah, it's so so what can we uh, what can we draw from that? Yes. Mm. Ah. You're more attached to that stuff than you think you are. That's a good lesson. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Do you think they changed though, Belinda? Do you think that they still were foul-mouthed? That's good, because because the spirit the spirit looks a certain way, doesn't it? That's good, but they didn't but they didn't clean up their mouth by by some human effort, did they? That's right. That's right. And see, I'm, that's right. Anyone, anyone, whosoever will, let him come to the, the water and drink freely. But see, the, see, the message, <clears throat> because we had so much religion, so much self-righteousness, do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that, and the pendulum was way over there for a long time, wasn't it? How many of you have been in churches? That's where the pendulum was at. And then we got tired of holding the pendulum there, Right? And so we start identifying, well, that's just wrong. That's hard to hold that pendulum there. And what, what ultimately happens when we try to hold the pendulum there? What do we do? We just let go, right? And what happened? So one might say self-righteousness is better than unrighteousness. No. It swung to the other side, and then we have all this unrighteousness in church, right? And now, you know what's happening? You know what's happening? Same thing that always happens. There's a, there's a pendulum that's re-swinging the other side. So we've got this whole young generation of Calvinists rising up who say women have no place in the church and we have no this and no that and you can't do that and you can't do this. And what are we going back to? And some people look at that and I'm afraid that maybe even a couple people in the room and you're trying to kick it out of your heart right now and you're saying, well, good, it's about time we got back to true holiness. But don't even say that. Don't say that. Because see, if you say that, then you're going to negate. I'm going to have to negate that by what I'm about to say next. And I like that. I think that's what our natural mind does. See, I had this conversation with my son. Because, see, he's in that age, and he's gone to Southwestern, and there's all this super spiritual, you know, everybody's so super spiritual. And, you know, and he's like, and it's really, it's stretching him and theology and what he believes and, you know, and just seeing that. And, and, And then he's got, 
he's got the he's got somebody over here and he used a, a term that's not it's maybe crass but it's not like bad it's just some places you know you just probably shouldn't use it I won't even say the term it's not it's just like low-key you know what I'm talking about he used it and a girl in his group you know corrected him but my son is unoffendable he's not like me at all I punched her in the nose I mean you know what I mean I've been like not really punched her but you know tripped her somewhere I'd, I'd held it when I'll get you I'm just confessing my thoughts that's in my flesh he didn't even bother him, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, I said that, so I was just like, you know, I can't say those, you know, people are real touchy about things you say. So she corrected him, he's like, oh, sorry, I'm, you know. And then he goes to other places, and it's like, other people over here are like, yeah, you can do whatever you want, you can't lose your salvation, once you get saved, you're saved. And I was talking to him, same thing, and I talked about that pendulum. He said, it's like we just need to let it hit the middle and get middle ground somewhere. I said, no, Jacob. I said, what we gotta do with that, that whole track? It's flesh on this side, and it's flesh on this side. And if it hits the middle, where are we still at, Dennis? I said, what we've got to do with that whole track is we got, I grabbed it from both sides, and I wadded it up. And I said, we've got to get rid of it. Because nowhere the pendulum <clears throat> lands on the flesh will ever produce the life of the Spirit. That's fact. If you can find where you can operate in the flesh and still be pleasing to God, I would love for you to show me that scripture. That's a setup. You won't find it. So with all that said, and we're going to move on. Wednesday, I was in prayer, but Tuesday I received this. Who will, Mike, we come here? I went, I'm in a leadership group, and something came up in our leadership group, and a woman, she had, she said, I mean, we're in, you know, Rockwall in a restaurant, and we're praying this prayer. You can go and pass them out. This came up, and she said, she said she was dealing with um, kind of spiritual warfare years ago, years ago as a pastor's wife, dealing with um, a boy in her church who was demon-possessed. And it just caused a lot of demonic attack in her life. And so she said a woman, an elder woman in her, in her church came up to her and gave her this prayer. And she thought, you know, I don't really like those kind of packaged prayers. You know what I mean? That's what she thought. She said, but that, I just want to be sweet, and so I took it. And she said, she said, I, she said, the woman told me, she said, you need to pray this prayer out loud over your life. You know, just start declaring it. And so she said, I did. And she said, I have, she could quote it. She could pray this prayer aloud. And as I began, because she gave it, she sent it all to us. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of the same way. I'm like, you know, it's kind of package deal, whatever. It kind of sounds a little bit, you know, whatever. And I, I was sitting on my back patio, and I read this prayer. I read it out loud on Wednesday morning. And I wrote it in the back of this book because I'm just going to write it there. And the Holy Spirit began to give me. What are you doing? And the Holy Spirit began to, oh, you're in my way. The Holy Spirit began to give me all kinds of things with regard to this. As I read it out loud, I mean, I felt such a release in the Spirit. Now, you may think that's hokey, but then I began to study everything. I began to look at Numbers 22 through 27. Who can look that up for me? Numbers 6, 22. Some of you can probably quote it, or you may not know you can quote it until you start reading it, and then you'll be like, do you need more? 
Uh, start at 22. Mm -hmm. Number 622. You go ahead, Melissa, you have it? <clears throat> yep. Okay, now who's talking here? <clears throat> Adonai, God, right? He's given this to, he's talking to Moses, and he said, I want you to tell this to Aaron and his sons. Okay, we've got the setup. <clears throat> By what to them? Okay. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you, I think I missed one part, and, and, be, and be gracious to you and give you peace. Now, whose idea was it to say this? It was God's idea. He gave, who wrote this prayer? It's, it's really important you understand this. Who wrote the prayer? The same guy who created the stars. The same one who told the earth to set it right the, just the degree on the axis it needed to in order to hold this planet together. The same God who created man in his image. Now see, he stood there before Moses and he gave him this word. And Moses wrote it down. Now you've got to believe the Bible. If you think that this is just folk, you know, lore or just sort of, um, you know, a nice poetic story about a hopeful situation. So you've got to get to the place where you either understand you believe this really happened or you don't, right? And if you go with, I believe it really happened, then number one, this is Old Testament, right? So we all the time, we put God in the wrath category where? In the Old Testament, don't we? He said, the, I want you to, I want you to give the, it's like he did this. I want you to give this letter to Aaron and his sons, the mediators, the ones who stand between me and they stand between the people, the priesthood. And I want you to put this in their mouth. This is what they say every single day in the hearing of the people. He didn't say, I want you to think this. I want you to write this and rewrite it. He said, I want you to speak this. And I'm just so impressed. And so I looked and I thought, wow, God, to say things with our mouth, how, and it's not by mistake. I'm not wanting to get into political arenas. But do you know that last year in the Jewish calendar, we, they already had their new year. I learned that with Deborah. She took me to the Jewish synagogue on the, right? We, we're already in 2021. June, well, not really, but it's 2781 in the Jewish calendar. That's, that's right. You know what I mean. Y'all, correct my mistakes in your mind. So, it's all, we've already moved, but last year was what in the Jewish calendar? It was called the year of the, y'all know? The mouth. The year of the mouth. Now, is it odd that everybody had to put a face mask on? 
in the year of the mouth? Cover your mouth. Cover your mouth. I sat on my back patio, and as I read this, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood shed on the cross, I command the penalty of the enemy and any word curse that has been pronounced against me. Anybody ever had a word curse pronounced against them? You know what that is? It's just somebody speaking bad about you, and it gets into your brain. How many of you word curses that were spoken? Mike talks about word curses all the time. What did your stepfather do to you? He pronounced word curses over you every single day of your life. And we know sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you, right? Not true at all, is it? So it says, I am break every word curse that has been pronounced against me and my family to be broken. It shall not prosper and I nullify its effect in Jesus' mighty name. I proclaim a blessing to all that I am, hope to be, and put my hand to and all that pertains to my life, health, home, finances, possessions, vehicles, pets, or livestock, ministry, and family. I call for strength, vigor, protection, wealth, the supply of the Lord for the honor and glory of his name. Now, how many of you think that your life might be better if you actually spoke those words over your life every day? Do you see the difference in the power of releasing that? I'm not talking about some superstitious voodoo here. I'm not talking about you saying things and it having no actual content in actually how you live your life. But I do know this, that life and death are where? In the power of the tongue. And whatever you love to put in your mouth, whatever you love, that's what the fruit of that is going to be produced in your life. Now, how many of you believe that you live in the house you build with your own lips? Guys, we are either cursing ourselves and others or blessing ourselves and others. Tawana. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay. So what we have here, so we have number six in Mark 11 and 24. You'll know this scripture very well. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. How many of y'all believe that's the word of God? Or do you believe it's just a quaint little thing that we like to put in there? How many of y'all would say, like me, I don't live in the fullness of that? Is that not true? I mean, I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm trying to, you know, I believe in diagnosis, but then I believe in that we ought to move on into the health of where we're living to see ourselves for what we are, and we need to put something different in our mouth. Yes. I've got, perfect. Mm-hmm. And that perfect there, I'm glad you brought that up. It's in my notes. That perfect there means whole or complete. It doesn't mean without fault as we think perfection to be. It has to do with our wholeness and our health and our completeness there. 
Now, how many of you want to be healthy? How many, I do, I, I think we all want to be healthy. And we all know the connection between what we put in our mouth and our physical health. Have y'all figured that one out yet? We, right? I mean, I do not have to harp on that anymore, hopefully. But what we do have to understand is, between our spiritual health, what we put in our mouth has to do with our spiritual health. And our spiritual health impacts our physical health as well. If you don't believe that, look at Corinthians. It's either 1st or 2nd Corinthians, but it's the 11th chapter where Paul is giving instructions on the Lord's Supper. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Is it 1st or 2nd? 1st, okay. Where he says there, very interesting scripture. He's, he's correcting the Corinthian church on how they partake of the Lord's Supper. And what is the error in how they take, partake of the Lord's Supper? What is the ultimate error? It's how they treat one another. He says, you come to the Lord's Supper, and some of them you're hungry, and some of you are not. And some of you get together and you gorge yourself while the poor among you don't have enough to eat. Y'all recall the story? So he's dealing with the factions in the body, the body of Christ. That's what he's dealing with. Am I I on track hermeneutically with y'all? And then he comes in and he says, and then he gives that pungent warning. He says, when you partake of the Lord's body, the Lord's supper, communion, make sure you take, examine yourself. Now, what should we be examining ourselves for? If he's talking about the context, our relationships. I'm just going with context. And he says, you need to examine yourself to see how many of us on a Sunday morning we take the Lord's Supper, we pull our relationships within the body of Christ into play there and check ourselves against them. Hardly anyone. I will guarantee you what you're searching your heart for is if you have some sin. Like, you know, your own personal sin between you and God. And you never bring into how you treat one another in the facet of personal sin. But somebody does bring it into play, and it's the Holy Spirit. And he said that when you eat, you don't discern the Lord's body. Now, when I say discern the Lord's body, what happened to the Lord's body on the cross? It hung, it bled, and died, right? But what didn't happen to the Lord's body? Not one bone was broken. No separation in the body. There was contained unity in his body. And when we eat of the Lord's Supper, and, we're not, and we don't have a heart of service toward one another in the body. Now we're talking about the body of Christ. He said, that's why many of you are sick Weak and dead. Lord, where's your power gone? We didn't know we had to treat people decently. Well, sort of, you know. I didn't know, Ben, that what I do, what I choose in my life impacts you. 
where I go, what I say, how I act, my choices. You know why? He's my brother. He's attached to this body. And he the same to me. I believe that if we can get back to the place where we put blessing in our mouth for one another and we bless and we curse not, I think we might could turn around our sickness, our weakness, and our death. The Bible says that my estimation of you should be what? You may know? Higher than my estimation of myself. I promise you, if in a body, I know you love to read this and think about yourself, and I, and I want you to, because it's for you. But we have to speak this for every person. And I, I fear that our estimation of ourselves, because our flesh is so overgrown, and we have used religious practices to cover our flesh. We treat people in our homes so many times like dogs. I've seen this. Speak to your children like dogs. And when you bump into a stranger at Aldi, you say, oh, excuse me. It is time for us to discern what's in our mouth. Because the fruit of our life has been sown by the words of our mouth. And I believe, now this is coming out a little heavier than I wanted it to. Because I guess the Holy Spirit, just, this is just how he brought it out. I believe that if we can get to the place of servanthood in this body, Guys, it's been hard to get there. I'm just going to be truthful with you. When we can come in and say, I'm not here for me, I'm here for you. And you say, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. Because the attitude has been, when I say I'm not here for me, I'm here for you, you go, about time somebody was. Do you see what I mean? It's not your first response to go, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. No, no, no. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. And I'm not talking about just something we say, some platitude, if you will. I'm talking about a true heart. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, he's going to bring that. And if you don't want that, you don't want revival. You don't want it. He won't do anything other than that. But if you want health and you want wholeness and you want perfection because you can control your tongue, you can control your life, you can control your destiny by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can find health and wealth. How many of you believe God wants you to be wealthy? 
I believe that. I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher, but I'm a prosperity gospel preacher, if you know what I mean. I believe the Lord wants us to have so much. And that's what I felt on Wednesday morning. I felt like a page turn. If you know what I'm talking about. Like there's been this feeling in my, my life about repentance, you know, search me and try me. And then all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord gave a release to start declaring. Like it was time now to start moving into possession. And he said, in order to possess, Joshua 1.8 is going to come into play. Do not let this book of the law depart out of your mouth. But meditate in it. Where's that at? Day and... No more drowning your sorrows in Netflix. Hulu. You know what I'm talking about? Meditating it day and night. We're on the cusp of a do or die situation, guys. This is it. This is it. I don't know if y'all, I'm not here to talk about political things, but I'm just telling you, if, if they're allowed to pack the courts, you might as well just hand in your American citizenship. Our governmental structure is done. It's done. You can't, we, our government sits on three equal legs. You jack one of them up higher and what happens? <laughs> done. This, I'm not ta talking about saving the world through political means. I'm talking about saving the world through the church, through the body of Christ. Yes. 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 All you can. Uh, yes, it is. It's the time. It's the time if you were ever going to be a servant, be a servant today. That's it. Say, Lord, whatever, whatever it is. God, change my speech. I believe when you begin to change your mouth, you begin to change your heart. How many of you believe that? And when you begin to change your heart, you begin to change your mouth. And when you begin to change your mouth, you begin to change your heart. And when you begin to change your mouth, you see what I mean? They go together. And then when you begin to change your heart, your mouth, and your mouth change your heart, and your heart change your mouth, you know what your heart will do? Your heart will begin to move treasure. Wherever your treasure's at, that's where your heart's at. I, that's not my words. Those are Jesus's. Wherever your, wherever your treasure's at, there you find your heart. Where's your treasure? Looking in the mirror? Looking at your bank account? Could be. Could be. The power, this is what I know. Here's what I know. If I'm having trouble moving my heart, how many of you have had trouble moving your heart before? I have. Trouble moving your heart. Move treasure. You'll move your heart. That's what the Bible said. Wherever your treasure's at, where will your heart? Your heart will be there also. If you can't get your heart to move to where God's at, move treasure, even against your heart. And pretty soon, your heart will fall. Now, what's your treasure? Well, let's call it your resources. Time, your treasure, and your talent. 
Some of you are talented, and I don't know about it. You know why? Because you don't want me to know, because you're afraid I'll put you to work. Shame on you. Shame on you. And I'm saying that fun and not fun. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to know that. She'll put me to work doing it. I mean, some of you, all you just this far, all you got to do is start teaching a preschool class and you'll move your heart. Oh, yeah, forget that. I hate those little turkeys. <laughs> not really. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe it's somewhere else. So I want to, I'm going to Psalm 17. I'm going to finish this up. We're going to talk about this more. I, this week, I want you to start praying this out loud. I want you to hear, I want your ears to hear your mouth say it. And you know what? As you say it out loud, you'll kind of feel like silly about it. Sometimes you will. You'll think, oh, this is silly. I want you to start declaring. You know what? I came home. Mike came home for lunch this day. This, it was Wednesday morning. And this is what he said. He said, what did you pray today? He asked me this. Did you pray for me today? Did you pray something today? He said, I felt something shift. Well, yeah, I did. I pronounced a blessing over you. And he began to see something shift. Now, I'm not telling you to say this blessing and then walk differently. I'm saying that this goes along with your actions, and your actions go along with this, and this goes along with your actions, and your actions go along with this. I'm going to read this to you, Psalm 17. I'm going to start in, chapter, in verse 3. You have examined my heart. You have visited me in the night, and you have tried me and found nothing. There's where we start, right? You have found me and tried nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. Concerning the works of men and by the word of your lips, I have avoided the paths of violence. So he's saying, I got my mouth right, I got my work right, and I got my walk right. Do y'all see that? Placing my steps in your path. That's your walk. I called on you, Lord, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Hear my what? Show marvelously your loving kindness. Oh, deliver those who seek refuge by your hand and from those who arise in opposition. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. You know what the apple of your eye is? I found this the other day. I didn't really know. I just thought it means a real precious spot, right? We all know that. The apple of your eyes, if I'm looking at you and I'm right up and so you're close enough to me, you can look in my eye and see your reflection. That's what it means, the apple uh, he is the, you're the apple of my eye. It means that God's gaze is so focused on you face to face that when you get close enough to him, you know what you see? That's what the apple of your eye is. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. It says, keep me in the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings from the wicked who bring ruin to me, from my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts with their mouth. They speak proudly. This is the world we live in. They have now encircled us because we always talk about they, they, they. Well, here's the they's. They have set their eyes to bend down to earth. It is like a lion that's anxious to rip its prey. Anybody feel that in our culture today? And as a young lion lurking in secrecy, here's where we get to. Arise, O Lord. Confront him. Cast him down. Deliver my soul from wicked by your sword. From men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. 
You fill their belly with your treasure, and they are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. I read that, and I was like, what? We got wicked people, and what are they doing? You fill their belly with your treasure, and they are satisfied with children. We're talking about wicked people here. And they leave their abundance to their infants. You know what my first thought was? Well, that's not fair. You know what the Lord told me? I wrote it here. He said, you lay no claim on it. And he said, no, you have no faith in my word. How many of you believe this proverb that says the wealth of the, Proverbs 18.22, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. How many of you have ever done something the hard way or paid full price through your own labor because you didn't know you had a gift card? Because you didn't access it. You laid no claim on it. Am I making myself clear here? Let's go now to, as we draw to a close, Ecclesiastes 2.26. Now, you may think, well, she's preaching that prosperity gospel. Well, somebody's got to. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody's got to. Because if, if, the, if the wealth of the wicked is here and they just keep on taking wicked, the, the wealth, the means of the world, that was one thing when I went to the ark encounter, the Lord convicted me. That place is pretty grand. Millions and millions of dollars have been spent on it to teach people the Word of God in an entertaining fashion. It's entertaining. I was convicted that I don't believe to put the kingdom into those places. Does that make sense? That in the areas of entertainment, why is our television full of filth? Because no one has stepped, none of the children of light have stepped into those areas. It's happening more and more all the time. Have y'all noticed that? See, we, this, I know this is kind of new teaching because we're like, yeah, we're just getting out of here, y'all. We're just getting out of here. And maybe we are just getting out of here. But we're called to be what while we're here? Salt and light. We're called to be leaven. We're called to be invested in not doing the things of the world. See, we got confused and called that grace. And then we got confused again and got self-righteous and separated. And then we bounced around again and we got all in and just started sinning and called that grace. And that didn't work. And then see how we're just bouncing around here on this flesh continuum? And not understanding that we're the children of light. And God wants to impart to us. How many of you, if God gave you $100,000 right now, would pay the first 10000 to the church? Raise your hand. If you're not paying it on what you got, you won't. There you go. Story. I'm, I got to go. We got to go. Sorry. We're going to finish this up. We're going to finish with Ecclesiastes. I want to put something in your crawl. And I want y'all to start thinking about this this week. I want you to ask the Lord what you have that he might want. And be prepared to give it. Some of you have been whining because you don't have anything. He's like, you're not even in my economy. 
not in my economic system yet. And you're whining to me? What did I say, Ecclesiastes what? Thank you, I didn't mark it. Okay. For to a man who is pleasing before him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting to give to him who is pleasing before the Lord. Ask of me, and I will give you. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that you cannot contain it. Press down. I'm, I'm crossing all kinds of scriptures here, I know. Men shall give unto your bosom. That's what I'm going for. Good measure. Press down. Shaking. No, am I crossing them still? Is that right? That's it. Into your bo- Who's going to give it to you, Dennis? No, I said who? Men. You may not like this. You may say she just prospered. If I'm taking up an offering for me, that may be one thing. And it's not just money. See, it's a service. How you serve in the body of Christ. You know, if, if, when you're here, y'all are here, so I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. You served me, and you served somebody else. You didn't know your presence served people, did you? It does, when you're here. Guys, I have decided I'm all in. Over my head, all in. Everything I have belongs to God. And he can ask for it. And I will give it. I believe these are the days that we've waited for. And I believe that if you will serve one another and you will proclaim the word of God and you will believe it and ask the Lord to put that in you and you will say, God, remove my selfishness. I believe God is going to use the body of believers who does that in a miraculous way. He's not looking for convenient Christianity. He's not looking, he's not looking to make it inconvenient, but it, he's not looking for convenience. He's looking for a people who can sit on a pew as long as they can sit on a bleacher. He's looking for a people who can invest as much in the church missions program as they do in their kids' travel softball, baseball. He's looking for a people who spend as much on tithe as they do as dog food. That's a true statistic. People give more, they put more in their pets, buy more dog food than they give to missions. You don't like it? I don't care. I wish I did care. I wish I did, but I know I'm saying the truth. And I know anything you're saying that's contrary to this is not the truth. So I won. (laughs) See how I just argued with you and you didn't even get a voice? 
I love y'all. Lord bless us. Give us your word without measure, God. Put your word in our mouth, in our heart, God. Let us serve. Let us love, God. Holy Spirit, make us into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm always in trouble. Gosh.